Support for WRFA is brought to you in part by the United Ways of Chautauqua County. United Way is a nonprofit organization with a mission to mobilize the community to help every person and family improve their lives. Last year, their Volunteer Income Tax Assistance, or VITA program, helped 1,400 households file their taxes for free. This year, the expanded child tax credit is available to Chautauqua County households with children, even if they don't normally file taxes or have a recent income. Nearly every parent or caregiver of a child with a Social Security number can receive up to $3,600 per child, and it's not too late. Learn more at getctc.org chq. It only takes about 15 minutes online to claim the child tax credit and learn about eligibility. The United Ways of Chautauqua County, proud supporters of community radio in Jamestown, New York. To learn more, visit UASCC.org or UnitedWayNCC.org. The Chautauqua County Legislature has adopted a 19-member legislative district map as part of the county's reapportionment process. County Executive P.J. Wendell shared his thoughts on the plan, as well as thoughts on the new landfill commission created by the legislature and more. We have County Executive P.J. Wendell on the line with us today. He's traveling, but we still get to have our opportunity to do our monthly interview with him. Thank you for calling in today. Always a pleasure. So, uh, so County Executive, uh, the County Legislature meeting last night, they had a lot of things on their agenda. One of the things that they did was they adopted a 19-member reapportionment plan. And I was just wondering your, your uh, thoughts and comments on this new plan. Well, you know, I support it 100%. I think what's interesting, you know, when you listen to the opposition as to why we shouldn't, they're talking about, we need to change for the sake of change, and if you don't, it's the status quo. Where what they're failing to see is historically we are creating the first basically minority-populated uh, district in Chautauqua County Legislature. You know, we are focusing on, you know, the issues of, of minorities in one of our districts. So, uh, you know, it hasn't happened before, and yeah, I think it's pretty significant. But also, if you look at you know, the number of uh, propositions or a number of issues, rather, that were that plagued the 17-member legislature. You're creating a larger government with more people to serve. And at the same time, you're dividing towns, you're dividing villages. One town was split three ways. Now, for some people, it's not a big deal. But, you know, you've got three different legislators there to support the town. And which part of the town do we support or we like this part? Not it's just for the continuity of, of um, representation, you know, the 19 the person legislature, you know, is very successful. And, you know, I was there when we voted to reduce from 25. Uh, we feel confident in the work it's done. So again, I feel confident, but, you know, I thank everybody who was on that reapportionment commission. Um, you know, it was said that it was bipartisan, or nonpartisan, if they, as they put it. Uh, so, you know, I, I think that's, that leads something, you know, to, to uh, the conversation that they really did, uh, you know, try to do it. But, you know, when it came time for the arguments for 17, there just, there wasn't valid reasons other than if we stay at 19, you're staying at the status quo. Well, you know, it was interesting that, that you know, those who proposed the 17 didn't have problems with, you know, the size of the legislature for 30 or 40 years when that side of the aisle was was in the majority. So 
We're moving on. We're going to continue. As Bob Scudder said, good government is what's happening with the 19-member legislature, and we're confident, I'm very confident, it's going to continue for another 10 years. Mm-hmm. One of the things that surprised me, and I think uh, maybe it was, I think it was Legislator Proctor brought up that he had talked to the Board of Elections and that the the, the idea that, you know, reducing the size of the legislature, that there would be a cost savings that, in reality, that there wouldn't be, according to the Board of Elections, with what they would have to do with election districts. And that was surprising information because I mean, I, I know county legislators do not make a lot of money. I think it's like $9,000 a year. Uh, but, you know, the, the thought was, well, you know, if you're looking for savings wherever you can find it, well, yeah, the $18,000 is, you know, another step toward cost savings. But in reality, not the case. Right. You know, we're looking at, and one of the things that there was a little troublesome last night, and it was it was mentioned by the legislature or legislators uh, who opposed our new public relations uh, officer. You know, they said they're not sure of the county's financial situation. I beg to differ. Um, you know, we had a, a very very um, successful property tax auction, one of one of the highest uh, in history. Um, almost every parcel sold, uh, you know, over 600 people had registered to be bidders. So, you know, the, the, the idea that we're sort of in these, you know, tight budget restraints isn't necess- isn't, isn't factual. I'm not, we're not spending money like, you know, it's, it's water, but at the same time, we're not in those budget constraints that we had years ago. Cautious? Certainly. But to say, well, we can't look at a position of $70,000 because, we're not sure where the budget's going to be. That's incorrect. And and likewise, you know, with this, this election and a 17-member legislature created more election districts, therefore an added cost to the, the, the taxpayers that isn't often reflected, you know, when we have these discussions. You brought up the public relations officer position, and that was something I, I, I know that the county hasn't theoretically had anybody with that specific title. So this is a new title in county government. Um, and, and so it was, it, is this someone who's going to, um, if, if I went and hired, take over other responsibilities that have been kind of like shifted around to other departments. I, so what will that position do exactly? So uh, it's really a, a very open position in the fact that, you know, we're, they'll be in charge of all of our media releases. For example, if uh you know, you wanted to call and schedule an interview with, you know, one of a department head. You know, we'd be directing that to the um, our public relations officer. They would set up the interview, uh, make sure that the uh, person interviewed has the right talking point to collaborate. You know, right now, if there's a press release that goes out, Amanda Gallagher from my office, uh, wordsmiths, proofreads, and then make sure it's all sent out to the proper people. Uh, you know, that all stuff, all this stuff takes time. And, it, you know, especially with COVID, we realize that, the need for this position is growing. Uh, it's, it's not a really like a, a luxury item. It's really more of a necessity. You know, when you look at any, in, for example, you know, concise, consistent information in any time, especially in a time of tragedy or a crisis, it needs to be managed and managed effectively. And that's what this position is. When I was at the NACO conference last year, uh, over 300 county leaders in a room, there were five of us who raised our hand and said we didn't have a public information officer or public relations officer. So, you know, that's and, you know, the eyes kind of turned us and like, you know, what are you all waiting for? And not as a matter of 
putting out a personnel, but somebody just to manage all of that, that media information going in and out, not to mention Facebook, social media. Going back to, you know, Bob Scudder last night said, you know, technology is right here on our desks every minute of every day. So, you know, the expectation of social media involvement, instant posting, posting, instant messaging, you know, those types of things are expected now, you know, by our residents. So we need somebody that's going to be able to do that diligently and effectively moving forward. Mm-hmm. Is this a position that will be um, headquartered in the county executive's office or will it be kind of a, a standalone thing? Well, it will be, <clears throat> we're trying to find space <clears throat> right now. Um, it would be based under my office's budget. Um, so, you know, people come in and say, well, the county executive is doing this in his budget. We are. Um, but we're also looking at, we have the funding um, mechanisms already in place, but um the idea is every department would be utilizing this position. So, you know, it would be an office within the county executive's uh, department, but realistically the position would serve every department head and every department in Chautauqua County government. So, again, something new. Uh, you know, I've, I've had a couple of job descriptions, and surprisingly a lot, of, a lot, a lot added to those descriptions. So time will tell how that, uh, that position evolves. That's for sure. Uh, staying along uh, employment stuff, uh, I haven't asked you this question in a long while, but how is the search for a new uh, Department of Public Facilities director going, or is there a search going on at all? Actually, there is a search. Uh, we're actually winding it down. We've had interviews and second-round interviews. Uh, I'm ready to be making an offer here in the next couple of days, so uh, as soon as we get that done, we will uh, you know, get that out to you. But you know, here again, we're looking at a, a new type of leadership in that department. Uh, you know, not somebody that is going to have the, you know, um, the autonomy as we've had before, uh, but rather, you know, utilizing the expertise of the department heads and division managers we have, relying on them and, you know, managing our budget, our, our, uh, our different departments, our capital projects, which, you know, are millions of dollars uh, of involvement. So, Really excited. Uh, you should be hearing something in the next couple of days. Great news. Uh, thinking about the DBF and going back to the county legislature meeting, there was a, a local law to establish a Chautauqua County Landfill Commission, and there were a few uh, legislators who were concerned about this, and there was a member of the uh, DPF who spoke out and express his concerns as well at public uh, at the privilege of the floor, Aaron Gustafson. And I want to, because I... One of those things, I was on vacation last week, so I, I haven't been able to do as deep a dive into all the things that happened with the uh, the legislative committee meetings. And was this a commission that was proposed by your administration, or was this a commission proposed by the legislature? Uh, it was proposed by the legislature. I did support it, uh, but I will say I'm supporting it and watching it um, cautiously. You know, some of the concerns that were, two words were used. One was advocacy, and the other was oversight. Well, if you have a commission, oversight is a lot different than advocacy. Um, you know, what was, you know, realized is that, um, you know, as the legislators spent the better part of a day touring the landfill and getting to know its intricacies, you know, they say, well, you know, things are mentioned, well, we really could use this piece of equipment or that piece of equipment. And, you know, the legislator said, well, you really need an advocate in the legislature. So that was the idea behind the commission. Um, but, you know, and much like, and I, I credit, you know, the commission and Chairman Shagnon, they framed it after the airport commission. He has, uh, 
you know, a myriad of people on there, pilots, uh, businesses that are involved uh, in and around the airport. Uh, you know, so, again, a good cross-section of people that have an interest in the airport, and it's, it's moving forward. Uh, the only thing I get concerned about is a commission, uh, if they feel strongly for something and the management feels differently, then we have this, uh, you know, public discord that's going on. Well, the commission says this, and we really feel it should be this way, and the management, you know, so, again, it's been said, and I will watch closely, that that um, commission will not have the power um, or, you know, to dictate how things are run, how things are managed. Uh, so, again, I appreciate and applaud the efforts, but it's something I will be watching cautiously, and I spoke of that last night in caucus day. Uh, you know, I appreciate the efforts, but I will be watching it. I, I don't want to see, um, you know, the overpowering uh, of our efficiency. And quite frankly, our, our employees do a great job. I feel confident in, uh, you know, Pantelis' replacement in Aaron Gustafson. So, um, you know, we'll be watching. But, again, I, it, the efforts are there. I appreciate it. But, you know, we'll just be watching cautiously to make sure that that, that group isn't um, – overreaching as, as they go on. Mm-hmm. Moving on to uh, economic development discussion. Uh, we've had a wide variety of uh, news and, and happenings in the last couple of weeks. Uh, some of it good news, some of it, you know, wondering what's going to happen. Well, start with, I always say, if you start with the bad news first, and then you can talk about the fun things. Well, uh, it came out about Wells Food Corporation in Dunkirk that they're going to reduce their number of lines down to just five uh, next year. And I was wondering, I know you're at the IDA meeting on Tuesday. Uh, your comments about that, Is it have you and uh, members of the IDA been able to meet with the company yet this week, or is that something that's still coming up? Uh, we haven't met yet. It's something that is coming up. Uh, as soon as we got wind of this, we reached out. Um, they do have local legal counsel that reached out to me and has been abreast, kept us abreast in the IDA as to what was happening. Uh, very concerning. You know, they've got a, a, a massive uh, expansion in their plant. They've also uh, had a long time entered into a, an agreement with Americold to just put up an amazing 180,000 square foot warehouse space uh, for cold storage. Uh, you know, I've been reassured that, you know, this is their uh, cold storage facility in the East Coast. So um, we don't know if that, that capacity of 90% will be diminished. Uh, it's, it's a wait and see. But, um, you know, Wells keeps things close to the vest. Uh, if you remember back in, uh, you know, two years ago when we had the, the outbreak of uh, COVID within the factory, you know, that was, uh, you know, the management in Iowa held that close and that release very close until, um, you know, they had a chance to meet with their employees. And, and much like what happened with the COVID response, they did meet with their employees, and within a day, somebody from one of the employees leaked to WKBW, and, you know, Channel 7 runs this big piece before many people, before we had even officially received anything from Wells um, as far as, you know, their their intentions moving forward. Some rumblings that things were, could be happening, but nothing official, and, you know, it was, uh, you know, via an employee to WKBW uh, is how we first heard of it, and then an official response from Wells, uh, I think it was the next day, or a couple hours after WKBW. Mm-hmm. So I guess we'll, we'll stay tuned to hear how things go and wish you luck there. Uh, on a better news front, uh, we, we heard via a press release from the uh, governor's office about uh, this uh, 
hydropower allocation for a company called Electrovia for someplace in the greater Jamestown area. Do you have, do you have any more information about where they're going or what the, what their pro- project is going to be about? Um, that I, we're, we've been working with Electrovia, and we're going to leave that up to the, the company to make that announcement, but it is in the Jamestown area. Um, it's a substantial uh, you know, investment in the community. Uh, and, you know, they've been working very closely. I spoke with, uh, you know, management from the BPU, and they've been working hand-in-hand to secure this grant with an additional um, allocation of hydropower. So, again, you know, we've been it's, – it's proven, you know, low-cost power with the Jamestown BPU is what attracts businesses, and it attracted another business here for Chautauqua County. So, um, you know, Electrovia is, uh, is starting to emerge, so we will hear more and uh, – uh, you know, respectfully, you know, we leave that to the company to make those announcements. But it is going to be a pretty exciting announcement um, when they're they're uh, able to really come forward and uh, you know share the news. No, oh, fair enough. Uh, speaking of news, you can talk about there is a new owners for the White Inn in Fredonia. It's great news. Uh, you know, we've been working with this. The IDA had switched uh, maybe a year ago uh, to Hannah Real Estate. And our real estate agent in that respect has done a great job, brought in prospective um, investors. And, you know, lo and behold, we found somebody right in our own backyard, Steve St. George and his partner. So, uh, you know, what better way, you know, to bring back to life a historic hotel in the village of Fredonia than with a Fredonia resident who's proven himself to be a big investor in Chautauqua County. So we're really excited. I know he's had his team of um engineers and contractors looking at the facility, looking to get it back to the grandeur it was, and really excited. Uh, you know, that's been a staple in the community. But, you know, hats off to the IDA and, and Hannah Real Estate. They've done a tremendous job marketing the facility. And, you know, this has been – we've been talking about this for, you know, a couple of years. And, uh, you know, again, this is one of those projects that uh, we've been waiting to uh, announce, and, and we're really excited we could. Uh, you know, the process started – uh, 60 days ago with, um, you know, an entered into a contract and a due diligence period. But, uh, you know, Mr. St. George had been looking at the property um, prior to that and really has done his diligence uh, as it goes uh, forward. So we're really excited about this opportunity. The White Inn will be back open uh, shortly, in, you know, soon in, in the village of Fredonia. We're really excited uh, and just can't wait to see how that happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, thinking of another business, and you're we're kind of bouncing around between types of businesses and locations in the county, but you recently uh, did a visit to Cummins Engine. Can you tell us more about that visit? Well, you know, there, the, I, I had two visits in the same week, actually. One was, uh, you know, arranged with the IDA, and, and we got to, you know, get into the plant, look and uh, understand what they're doing. There's some massive expansion. Uh, you know, there's some... It, it, and to me, it's a little uh, nostalgic. You know, my, my dad worked for Cummins Engine. That's what brought us to Jamestown, you know, so we're 40 years ago, um, you know, 1977. And the plant was nothing what it looks like now. And I even worked there for a short time in college and, and after college um, and realized that uh, factory work wasn't in my niche, uh, which is great. Um, but we have a lot of great employees who do a tremendous job. You know, Cummins is a leading uh, manufacturer of diesel engines. The market share is enormous. Uh, and I think what's most important is that Cummins' vision for the future and sustainability, you know, they are, we saw technologies within the plant of reverse osmosis, of recirculating water, 
taking as many contaminants out of the water and reusing water. They've got a waste treatment plant not only for, you know, the, uh, the sewage that goes in and out of the plant, but also the byproducts of different manufacturing technologies that, are, that have happened. So, again, hats off. It was, a, it was an amazing tour of the technology, not only in the engine production, but also in the, um, you know, the, the systems maintenance and the systems management of the facility itself when you look at water and electricity and everything that goes on. You know, they have investments in solar power. They have investments, um, you know, in reduced electric. So really, really exciting. I think the key that we took away, that I took away personally from there was Cummins is looking, and I know there was a, a splash in the media, Cummins ready to go electric. There's a vision for that, and as we told them, it looks to be about 2050. You know, so there are other avenues and other means of fueling diesel engines that they're looking at prior to switching to electric. Because electric, as we all know, right now the infrastructure isn't there to support it. What do we do with all these massive batteries? And and quite frankly, the battery that's going to be needed to move 80,000 pounds of material in a truck is going to be quite large, not to mention can you drive 6 to 10 hours or whatever is allowed by the DOT now with our drivers, or is it going to be a three- or four-hour stop continuously? Technology is evolving, but to say that, you know, they're ready to open the door right now, I, I don't necessarily believe that's been their statement. Uh, but there is a great deal of technology they have going on uh, in a myriad of fuel systems and alternative fuels, and really excited. You know, I've watched Cummins evolve. I, I've been, you know, part of, part of that family, in a sense, and always paying attention to it since we came here in 1977. So, Anna Dibble and her staff do a tremendous job out there. They're taking that plant into the 21st century and beyond. So really excited to see what they have to offer in the future. Mm -hmm. Good stuff. So uh, one last thing um, when it comes to economic development, you made some comments at the IDA board meeting on Tuesday about concerns that of comments you've heard about pilots, uh, including pi pilots that were passed by the IDA. And I was hoping you could expand or, or maybe even just reiterate what your comments were about that. Well, you know, I was doing camp days at Tim Hortons and somebody came in and was very uh, concerned, I guess you would put, I would, I would put it nicely, that, you know, the county needs to step in and you need to do something with the town of Ellicott because they've, you know, increased the assessment on the Kmart property and, you know, that's the county, we're home rule. The county doesn't dictate what the town of Ellicott does in its assessment and its, you know, evaluation of their assessment. Now, if the property is assessed at a higher value and sold and purchased at a much lesser value, I don't know what the exact numbers are, but let's say, for example, you know, if the property was bought for $3 million and it's assessed at $5 million, yes, I understand where Target has a concern as to, you know, why are we paying $2 million more in investment? And these types of things happen in order to generate business in New York because we're not always the most friendliest when it comes to our business climate. So pilot programs are utilized. But the assumption is that the IDA is involved in every pilot and every business that comes into Chautauqua County. And that's what I was talking about with, you know, we need to get the message out. And Jason, their media specialist, is going to be working on that. that you know, they do focus on sales tax abatement you know, mortgage tax uh, abatement, you know, uh, property tax over time. And those are successful in order to bring businesses here. Very disappointing we have to offer such things to get people to come here. Um, but that's the reality. Um, and, again, 
you know, those things are taken into consideration. And it's, it's, it's the way of doing business. But the, the assumption was they're involved in everything. And they have, you know, I reached out to the IDA and they do not get themselves involved in, in retail. And for example, a retail business coming in, if that was a, <clears throat> a, a vacant piece of land prior to, you know, Kmart coming in there, then they would work with the developer on, you know, the impact of building the building, et cetera. But on these types of transactions where you're purchasing a building um, for retail space, the IDA isn't directly involved. So, again, it, it you know, I just want to make sure people understand because it, it's not fair. You know, everybody, you know, does a great job and does what they can to bring business here. But, um, you know, in this case, you know, it was uh, when people, you know, get discouraged about the county, as, as the executive, I take it personally. And, uh, you know, the county, you know, leadership need to wake up and do what we can for business. And, you know, we do. We fight for business all the time. And, you know, we have small businesses coming in that we support tremendously and, you know, larger businesses as well. So, um, you know, just we just want that. You know, I want to, for the residents to understand, you know, what types of, of projects the idea is involved in and what type they aren't. So, again, uh, just a little clarity. And I've asked uh, and, and they were very receptive to that. And, you know, a lot of a lot of heads were nodding in the meeting that, you know, they understand um because sometimes the idea is, is misunderstood and, and uh, you know, exactly, you know, what jurisdiction they fall under. That's understood, too. Um, we haven't talked about COVID-19 in a while, and, uh, you know, that's not a bad thing. But we have heard that there's about $387 million in funding from the state that is going to be going out to local governments. Uh, this was announced by the governor last week. Have you heard any more about, you know, what kind of funding may be coming to Chautauqua County on that? Haven't heard a word. Um, you know, it, it, it was, um, we do have an upcoming uh, Zoom meeting with NISAC. Uh, very confident that they will be explaining things in detail for us. Uh, you know, and what this means for the counties. I, I just, I'm not sure. You know, and to be quite honest, you know, I get very leery when we talk about, oh, let's talk, you know, COVID again. And we're getting, you know, we need to put COVID behind us. We understand where it is. We understand how to manage it. We're doing a great job. Our, our health care systems, you know, people are vaccinated. I mean, if you look at, you know, in, in, in actuality, you know, even our own president was vaccinated twice, boosted twice, and still caught COVID. So, uh, and again, I, I'm sure he is not out in the public as many of us are, you know, day to day. So, you know, again, there's reality to COVID, but <clears throat> when they when they put COVID in front of finances, then, you know, I just get get a little leery as, uh, you know, what strings are attached to funding, what's the purpose behind it, and, you know, kind of what agenda is going for, but forward. But nonetheless, you know, we will take any, you know, money that the governor is willing to send our way and, you know, put it to good use. You know, if it's, if with, if it's bolstering our health department, then, you know, that's where we're going to focus our funding efforts and move forward. Mm-hmm. And if we're not talking about COVID, we're, well, there's a, something new to talk about health-wise. There's something called monkeypox, uh, and something that, that there does appear that there are vaccines for it. And uh, have you heard, have you heard any more from New York State about what counties should be doing or if they will be receiving any resources about that yet? Yeah, I think what what's happened is monkeypox is a very unique um, disease, uh, a virus, and it's it's uh, it's a very limited. It's not a very it's not a broad cross section of people that are 
that are acquiring monkeypox as, as it was COVID. Um, you know, the cases have been very limited. I think uh, there has been one in western New York. Um, you know, more concerning, we've had a concerning, you know, we've had a, a, a diagnosed case of polio in Chautauqua County. Um, so that's something our health department's been on top of and evaluating. But, you know, monkeypox is a, is a very unique um, virus as it moves forward. There is vaccines. They're getting the vaccines out, focusing on the larger urban areas based on the population that has been um, contracting the virus. That's where the focus is going to be. Uh, so, again, we're going to watch it. But, you know, the governor, I think, has been very uh, open in saying this is, you know, we don't want to let a, um, a virus get out of control like we had with COVID. Um, so, you know, again, we'll be watching it. But, again, monkeypox is, is not as widespread um, and as easily transmissible as, um, you know, COVID was. I, there will be some that are out there listening to me that will argue with that. But, um, you know, it's a very, um, you know, unique situation. You won't catch it uh, through airborne, you know, transmission. It's uh, a very, you know, a very unique situation. Uh, transmission in a very unique way uh, that it's it's, uh, contracted. So, again, I I urge residents, if they do feel sick, um, they do develop a rash or sores, um, blisters, you know, seek medical profession, you know, medical assistance with your doctor and, um, you know, follow up. But, um, again, disappointed that we're, you know, we've got this fervor now of monkeypox as if this is something that's going to, you know, be widespread like uh, COVID. I, I don't believe that, nor do I think the state has uh, that belief as well, but they do want to make sure we're all kept abreast and, and well informed as to things and how they evolve. Sure, I want to go back to something and granted a, a majority and probably almost nearly I would, if I'm going to hazard a guess, I'm going to guess well over you know ninety ninety nine percent ninety eight percent of people in the county are probably vaccinated against this. But you said there was a case of polio. Is there any more you can tell us about what has happened there? No, we can't. We, it was a information that we shared with our health team. Um, I don't know where, when. I don't know the details about it. Um, but, you know, ironically, you know, this is one of the things we talked about vaccinations. You know, everybody gets fearful of vaccinations, stating that, um, you know, they're especially with COVID. But there are diseases that have been, you know, confident they've been eradicated um, through vaccine, and now, you know, one like polio um, has reared its, its head again. So, you know, we'll be focused on, you know, focus, we'll be watching it. Um, you know, our health department and their teams will be evaluating and, and determining, um, you know, all the, all the information, disseminating what gets sent to us and, you know, how we process this going forward. But, you know, it goes to show, and again, you know, my generation, you know, your, yourself, myself, we've been vaccinated with, uh, you know, and, you um, you know, I, I don't have any uh, extra appendages. I don't have any disabilities or, you know, there are some that argue uh, that the detriment of vaccine, but it's been proven that vaccines have saved lives and vaccines have been effective in treating, you know, many, many illnesses. So unfortunately, you know, the, you know, reevaluate, uh, you know, the situation, you know, how this person contracted, you know, polio. Uh, but again, it's a concern, but, you know, this is, you know, these types of disease, uh, you know, are brought about by Mother Nature, and she's a pretty tough cookie. She doesn't always let things rest. So, uh, you know, we'll we'll do our due diligence and keep you know keep on this and, and focus. But um, it just shows there are there are many vaccines that are effective, uh, and 
again, we just need to reevaluate, you know, the situation itself and learn more about it. Well said. Uh, is there anything else uh, happening within Chautauqua County or anything else you'd like to talk about today? Well, I'll tell you, you know, we have a ton of things going on, you know, this weekend and next. Uh, last weekend in, in July is always the Arts Festival in downtown Westfield. Uh, if you ever go to Westfield on a Saturday morning, there's a great farmer's market. It's always well attended. And now we have the Arts Festival, which is there, uh, a big event in Westfield this weekend. Next weekend, look out, starting on Wednesday, Chautauqua County explodes with excitement and entertainment. We've got the 77th Gary Rodeo, the longest rodeo east of the Mississippi that's going to begin. I'll be there uh, handing out dinners uh, uh, one of the nights in the uh, dining hall in the uh, dining room. So uh, come on down and see some great rodeo riders, uh, you know, bull riding, bronc riding, uh, barrel racing, uh, and the rodeo clowns, uh, all, all sorts of excitement uh, for everyone. Then you move on to the comedy festival. You know, you got Margaret Cho, uh, Jeff Foxworthy, you know, you've got the uh, the trio from Saturday Night Live, uh, you know, Rob Schneider and company, David Spade. So really excited uh, for Jamestown to just be, you know, um, showcased in what we have to offer. And, and that's not to mention Sherman Day next next Saturday and the Ellington Town Picnic that's going to be next Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. So, uh, you know, a lot going on the first weekend of August here in Chautauqua County. So I urge everyone to get out and support all these festivals and, you know, get a chance to see some of the free comedy uh, as well as some of our showcases. Also want to highlight the county fair. What a great event that was back after two years. And and, and really, uh, you know, I had uh, the Overend family come into my office. Uh, they, uh, they've done a tremendous job raising goats and pigs and chickens. And this year uh, uh, I want to give a shout-out to Lucas, uh, who had his first year raising his steer and was the grand champion. Uh, so he and his brother Levi and their sister Sam uh, and the entire family, uh, what a great involvement in 4-H. And a special shout-out, I had mom and dad in school, then I had the two boys before I became county executive. Uh, so a real unique tie to that family. But the 4-H does a tremendous job of teaching our youth, one, carrying on the traditions and industry of agriculture that's so vibrant here in Chautauqua County, but also the hard work and the work ethic and the business plan that they put forth explaining, you know, the sheriff highlighted the last night at the, at the meeting, um, you know, people coming in explaining, you know, the amount of money they invest in their animals, the, the feed, the monitoring, the grooming, just watching a cow in, in a stall is, is all, it's pretty easy, but listening to what these young men and women do is just remarkable. And, and hats off to the 4-H program and everybody that's been involved. Uh, and it's great. I've, I've seen, so many of my former students that are now, you know, raising animals and doing a great job. So excited to see that. But again, so much happening in Chautauqua County, especially in the summer. We're just really excited to see everybody out and about. Yes, and in, there is indeed so much going on that it's hard to keep track even. Well, County Executive Wendell, thank you so much for taking time to be on the line with us today. Well, thanks for having me.